1: good morning beloved good morning dear family how are you I pray that you're well and here in Beloit Kansas it is gorgeous just tremendous amount of snow we had our second snow and everything is covered it's so so pretty and very cold but gorgeous um, yesterday we had a lovely woman call in she's a grandma and she um, she uh, gave up her house or sold it to her, I think, daughter and uh, somebody else, a couple of people, and the family's living in the house, and she's living in the basement, and although the family, the parents and the children are in the house, she has to stay in the basement, the the parents will not allow her to see her grandchildren. It's an an incredible thing. And the reason she said was that they don't believe in God and they can't handle her talking about God and whatever she says. They've told her they don't believe and they don't want her talking about it and she has not been able to not talk about it uh, and about him. And so what I suggested is uh, she's a prisoner in, in her what was her house and with her own daughter and grandchildren it's an insane situation so i suggested to her that she uh, tell her daughter that um, she did not mean uh, to cause such a separation and that she will never again speak of god or anything to do with the catholic faith or faith at all but she wants to be with the family and I said to her, you are preaching will be, as uh, St. Francis said, preach the gospel always, but uh, but sometimes without words. And so I said to her, you preach the gospel without words. You live your life of love, of, of holiness, reaching out, loving everyone. Don't let there be a judgmental uh, grin on your face at any time don't show any disapproval uh just love them as our lord came down to be with us he didn't he spoke of the gospel he spoke of sin but he didn't walk around criticizing everyone the way they lived or all of that so um i suggested to her that she could just be love in the heart of that home and um not let her opinions or her Faith or anything else show other than through a heart of love and reaching out to them. And she thought that was a good idea, meaning that her family might accept that and she could see her grandchildren rather be a prisoner in the basement of that house. It's just so awful. And I told her that I would look up a story that I read and I found it. And it's in this book. Let's see if I can show it to you. It's uh, Christmas Around the World by Ryan Ryan N S Topping. Christmas Around the World. It's published by Tan, and it has wonderful stories and essays and poems. Um, Christmas around, not the around the world. Christmas around the fire. I can't read. Christmas around the fire. It's a. I've been reading stories in the evening from this book to our sisters. It's just beautiful. This has been our evening recreation during the Christmas season. Um, And I told her I would look for it, so I'm going to read this story to you. I love it. I just love it. It's by Catherine Doherty who lived 1896 to 1985. Catherine is from Russia and she's the uh, founder of the Madonna House in Canada and um, really in in rural northern Ontario um, founded in the 19... 40s. And um, it's based on this story I'm reading from the book is based on her experience working in Toronto in the 1930s, where she had established the first friendship house, a lay apostolate meant to serve the needs of the poor. I'll read the story now. I love this story. It begins, outside the late October evening was dark and stormy. The north wind seemed to take the light. Let's see if you can, if I can do, no, no, we, let's see, how do I read this? Okay, like so. Is that good? Okay, good. Um, Snow and sleet fell noisily on almost deserted streets. The north wind seemed to take delight in squeezing itself into all the crevices and holes the houses possessed. The big front room of Friendship House was warm and cozy. The Quebec heater roared contentedly in big belly-filled Its big belly filled to the top with glowing warm coals. The large kettle on its top sang its happy song invitingly and reminded everyone that there was nice tea to be had at any time. Around the large table full of Catholic magazines and newspapers, there sitting several workers. I'm so sorry, I'm I'm having a little trouble seeing this small the small print. Around the large table full of Catholic magazines and newspapers were sitting several workers who had dropped in to get the latest news. Others were wandering around the bookshelves that covered the four walls, inspecting, looking for some good book to take home with them. At a large desk One of the tertiaries, that's like a third order, tertiaries was deeply engrossed in writing an article and the uh, uneven noise of the typewriter blended with the wind and storm and the roaring heater made the place more alive. From the next room, a kitchen, came the clatter of teacups And the subdued laughter of other tertiaries who were preparing a little lunch for the study group, which could be heard occasionally discussing sociology and liturgy, the whole picture was quiet and peaceful. Suddenly, the front door opened with a wrench letting in a blast of cold air snow and rain, and the dark figure of a man stood for a moment framed against the outside darkness, almost a part of it. Then, slamming the door with a bang, he riveted his eyes on a large crucifix, before which burned a dimly little red votive lamp. "'Another hell hole of a Christian place,' the man shouted. "'Just my luck.' "'I've been thrown out of three tonight, "'and I'm sick, tired, cold, and hungry. "'I was told that there was a communist hall this way, "'and I had to land here instead.' Quietly, the tertiary who had been typing stood up, a tall figure in a simple brown dress with a silver crucifix gleaming dully in the light. Smilingly, she advanced toward the man, and, and stretching out our hands said, It might be a hellhole, for we are very poor and have little to offer. It is a Christian place also, but we will not tell you to leave. On the contrary, we will welcome you to stay with us as long as you need. Forgive our poverty and share what God in his mercy has seen fit to send us, I am sure he guided you to us. The communist hall is only a few steps down. And with these words, she approached the man. He looked a little bewildered. And when he took a deep breath and collapsed at her feet, everyone helped to raise him. And he was quickly taken upstairs, where a tertiary brother helped him to a warm bath and gave him some dry clothes, for all he had was a jersey." a pair of trousers, and some old tennis shoes, and those were soaked. Clean and warm, he came down to a nice warm lunch, prepared quickly for him, but he remained sullen and silent. From the few disjointed sentences he muttered, the tertiaries understood that he was a transient, that he had overstayed his 24-hour city ticket, and therefore was not entitled to any more to either food or shelter at the city hostels and had to move on. Yet in his flimsy garment and with the coming storm, he had tried the private agencies, but they were either full or had so much red tape attached to their admission that he gave up. And in the last one, he expected himself rather forced He expressed himself rather, rather forcefully, and had simply been thrown out. So he had continued wandering. He was looking for a communist shelter first, because he called himself a communist, and secondly, because he knew that they wouldn't—they wouldn't throw even a dog out in the in the weather, such weather. Without commenting, the tertiaries listened to this short disjointed yet pitiful tale they had learned from long and bitter experience that in such cases little would be achieved by words and more by silence and prayer seeing his utter exhaustion they advised him to go to sleep and discuss things more fully and to go to sleep and discuss things more fully on the morrow tomorrow came But the man sat sullen and silent in his corner. Only his dark eyes were alive, observing all that was going on. In the light of day, he appeared slight with an intellectual face, young, not over 30. The tertiaries left him alone all day and had only smiled encouragingly as they passed by. Oh, that music for our first break came too soon, dear ones. We will be right back and continue with this story after the break. Don't go away. You're welcome to call at 1-877-511-5483 or to email at mother at the Here at the
0: Station of the Cross, we proudly bring the truths of the Catholic faith to countless listeners through radio and mobile devices, and we're grateful for the feedback we've received.
2: It just really connected me to my faith. I always considered myself 100% Catholic, but didn't really realize that I wasn't fully practicing my faith, so I learned so much through the Station of the Cross and began just getting deeper in my prayers and feeling just so much closer to God and so well-versed in learning more about the Bible and more about what actually it means to be Catholic. So it became very, very important to me, and I listen to the radio station daily, and I absolutely love it. I make it a regular practice of donating every time they have their their fundraising, and just love it and wouldn't want it to ever go away.
0: If you've been blessed by listening to the Station of the Cross, let us know. Call 1-877-888-6279, extension 112, then share your testimonial with us.
3: My name is Nathan Wigfield, Executive Director of the St. Thomas More House of Prayer, a Catholic retreat center in Cranberry, Pennsylvania, with the mission of Praying and Promoting the Liturgy of the Hours. Our goal is to help people experience the Liturgy of the Hours and discover the prayer that will change their life. The Catholic Church teaches us that the Liturgy of the Hours is the prayer that Christ Himself, together with His body, addresses to the Father and that its purpose is to sanctify each day and the whole range of human activity that means every time we pray this prayer our relationship with Christ is deepened we are united to the faithful of every time and place and our entire day and work are made holy unto the lord to learn more about the prayer of the church please visit liturgyofthehours.org or call our retreat center at 814 814-
1: Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. I'm so glad to be here and especially happy today for us to be reading this extremely wonderful Christmas story. And as I mentioned earlier, um, it's a book uh, titled Christmas Around the Fire. And the editor is Ryan N.S. Topping, and it's published by Tan. Uh, TAN Books. Christmas Around the Fire. It's beautiful. And we are currently reading a story titled, hold on, <clears throat> titled The Christmas Gift, and it's by Catherine Doherty, uh, the founder of Madonna House. It's a truly wonderful story. I read it to our sisters two nights ago, and and we were all very moved by it. So I'm going to continue now. It has to do with the development of Friendship House, a ministry that Catherine Doherty began in Northern Ireland in the 1930s, and a man came into their warm house uh, who had been thrown out of, he said, three Christian places, and he was a communist, and he was looking for the communist hall that was just a few steps down the street, but he entered their house by mistake and found that it was another Christian house, and he got really discouraged because he considered it, quote unquote, a hellhole. Um, He wanted communism because he knew they'd accept him. Excuse me. But instead, the sisters, and he collapsed when he got in there, and they took him upstairs, and the male tertiaries um, helped him to a warm bath and clean clothes, and he came down to a a good lunch. And we continue now... um, Toward the evening, he stepped up to one of them, one of the tertiaries, it's kind of a third-order situation, and wanted to know what was he supposed to do in exchange for the shelter and food. Nothing, an- answered the woman. Nothing, my friend. You are a guest of St. Francis here. We are only his humble servants. There is nothing you have to do. Just rest and get strong. Look for work or let us look for you. Everything in this place belongs to you and your brothers, the Christophers, meaning Christ bearers, of your great roads. We are only stewards of this place, and our greatest privilege is to help and serve people. If at any time you want to part in our, you want a part in our lives. And want to help us to help others, let us know, and we will find some work for you to do. But there is no obligation of any kind, end quote. The man did not answer, but once again an expression of astonishment and childish bewilderment passed across his face. Days merged into weeks, and still, John, he had given no other name, and none was asked of him, John sat quietly in his corner, a silent listener to all the discussions and conversations that were continually taking place at Friendship House. Intensely, he observed how the tertiaries dealt with the many clients of St. Francis, who came in an endless stream, begging for food, clothing, moral and material help. Occasionally he smiled a funny, angry, crooked smile when someone would suggest praying for the coffee that was getting low or asking St. Francis to send coal, which was badly needed. Yet, little by little, as the coffee came and the coal arrived, the smile vanished from his face to be replaced by a puzzled look of concentration as if he were trying to understand something that eluded his mind. At the beginning of the third week, at the beginning of the third week, he sat before the tertiary's desk and resolutely told her that since he was a communist, he desired to attend their meetings, and would she object to it? Sorrowfully, she lifted her face and answered, no, you can do what you want, John. I will only ask you never to discuss what you hear there with anyone here during my absence. It would not be fair to the others, would it? He agreed that it would not, um, that it would not and that he would not do so. From that time on, he was often absent half of the day. He was always home for supper, after which the tertiaries would ask him what he had heard that day at his communist meetings. He would answer, and there he would answer and there would there would start a long discussion point by point of the Catholic views as opposed to those of communism. Catholic papers would come out, and books would be piled high on the table in substantiation of this point or that. John ceased to be silent. He became the center of all conversations, stimulating others and arguing with them, drawing all present into the fray. One day, he carried away a bunch of Catholic papers that dealt with a social question being discussed and informed everybody at large that he was taking a few papers to, quote, taking a few papers to my friends, the communists, because they needed broadening out. There's a lot of sense to the encyclicals, and they'd better hear some of it, he said. (laughs) On this remark, he slammed the door and left, leaving everyone a little dizzy at the prospect of a communist teaching the encyclicals of the popes to another group of communists but the ways of God are incomprehensible to man. A few days later, on a Sunday, while the tertiaries were bemoaning the absence of one of their group, which made them shorthanded for the sale of the Catholic paper at the church door, John cheerfully offered to replace him. A few moments later, John was um, lustily calling out, "'Buy a Catholic paper!' help us to do action to offer communist and um, an atheist action. Let me repeat that. <laughs> um, by John, buy a Catholic paper, help us to do Catholic action to offset communist and atheist action. End quote. He wheeled a joyful tune on the way home. He whistled a joyful tune on the way home and saw nothing out of the way in his method of action. Discussing all thanks with one good turn deserves another. Dismissing all thanks with one good turn deserves another, excuse me. During that time, John, of his own volition took in hand the distribution of work to those of the brothers Christopher, who evinced a desire to help. Soon, the house shone like a jewel. Windows were polished, floors scrubbed, and the cook wore a happy smile because of some new cheap recipe John had dug up. The dishwasher... The dishwashers were through in half the time, thanks to a new soap solution he invented. Everyone agreed he was efficient, and he smilingly called it his communist technique. (laughs) The tertiaries just as smilingly answered that he had become a Catholic after a while. Once, when the place was empty of visitors and friends, he asked a tertiary why they devoted their lives to the poor, when they all could have good jobs. Why were they living in the slums, when their families had lovely homes? Why did this, why this simple hospitality, which asks no questions nor any returns? Why this eternal begging for others, so hard and so difficult? Gently the tertiary looked into his eyes and slowly answered, Today's are tragic days when people have forgotten God. And because of that, some who still remember him have left their homes and friends to live among the needy and the poor. They come to help them, to share with them their life of hardship, to atone for the rich who have forgotten their brothers and sisters, the poor who most carry the heavy load which the greed and injustice of their fellow men have thrust upon them. Not all are called to a life like this, but those who have this vocation are privileged and rich beyond the dreams of men, for they do it out of love of Christ, whom they see in the poor and the downtrodden. It's all really very simple and so very wonderful." For a moment, both remained silent. Then John told her that he was born a Catholic and that he had a brother who was a priest. At an early age, he had left home and wandered Many places, but he'd always kept his faith until he began to work for a selfish Catholic employer whose greed made hundreds of his workers miserable and unhappy. Watching all this, John had lost his faith and joined the Communist Party. As John finished speaking, he suddenly jumped up, grabbed his hat, and was gone. That evening, Many prayers were said for him, and for many tired, lost souls like him. Christmas was coming, and in the hustle and bustle of preparing a little feast for 600 children and a Christmas dinner for the many brothers Christopher, the tertiaries forgot about John a little. Besides, they knew he'd found a job and another place to live, and now visited Friendship House rarely. christmas eve came as everyone was making ready to go to midnight mass john walked in and announced that he had brought a christmas present to them but he would give it later everyone thanked him but suggested that he had not worked long enough to allow himself the luxury of buying christmas presents john only smiled in the rush to get to mass on time John was lost. He was lost sight of. Suddenly, in the church, one of the tertiaries excitedly pointed out to the others a man getting out of the confessional. It was John. Astonished and glad beyond words, the tertiary rendered thanks to God. It was with tears of happiness that they saw John approach the communion rail. Oh, dear ones, Two short paragraphs left. Three very short paragraphs left. And when we come back from the break, we will take your calls, your texts, and your emails after we read these three short ending paragraphs. Um, the toll-free number to call in, our lines are always open, is one 511 5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com.
4: truth which airs every weekday from 4 to 5 p.m eastern on the station of the cross catholic media network the focus of the show is authentically receiving living and handing on the simple truth of jesus and his catholic church in a down-to-earth no-nonsense manner the guests are phenomenal and each weekday has its own theme always encouraging us to take the next step in our faith wherever we may be it's the simple truth every weekday from 4 to 5 p.m eastern on the station of the cross There's so much confusion in our world today over what love is. By displaying a Catholic radio bumper magnet on your car, you'll help others understand love as designed by God. Order your free bumper magnets at thestationofthecross.com. We'd be happy to send bumper magnets for your listening area so that others can come to know the Lord. That's thestationofthecross.com. Thank you for sharing Catholic radio on the road. Hello, this is Father Frank Pavone of Priests for Life. All scripture teaches the sacredness of human life. We do not have to look only at the specific passages that speak about the unborn child. Rather, the great biblical themes of the dominion of God over human life and the fact that we are our brother's keeper are present throughout the Bible. These are the themes that challenge us to be a culture of life. This is Father Frank Pavone, National Director of Priests for Life.
3: this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Morning Show. We're happy to be with you on the Station of the Cross Catholic Media Network each weekday morning at 7 a.m. We strive to keep you informed and inspired with insightful guests and a look at the news stories of the day that you need to know. Join us on the Catholic Drive Time Show every weekday morning at 7 a.m. on the Station of the Cross and the iCatholic Radio app. That's on the Station of the Cross and the iCatholic Radio app. God love you.
1: uh, called the Christmas Present, I think, and it's by Catherine Doherty, and it's in this magnificent book, Christmas Around the Fire, um, by edited by Ryan N S Topping, published by Tan Books. <clears throat> it's truly beautiful. We've been reading a story about. Um, um, let me see, Catherine Doherty. This is a true story written by Catherine. In the 1930s, she established a Friendship House, and many people know about Madonna House in Canada, and they were filled with tertiaries who took in the poor. <clears throat> and one, one cold night at Christmas, a man just, uh, before Christmas, a man just barged in the house and um, cold and tired and soaked through and thought he was um, in a communist hall. He had been raised Catholic, but um, he had come across Catholics who were so selfish um, uh, and so greedy, uh, he worked for them, that he decided to become a communist. And he's been a communist all this time, and he's walked now into this Catholic friendship house who asked nothing of him. He said, what do I owe you for this food and clothing? They said, you don't owe us anything. You're welcome to stay as long as you wish, and everything in this house is yours. And he observed their life and their love. They asked absolutely nothing in return. And so now, at the end of the story, um, he had been absent for many days, and he had gotten a job and a place to live, and he barged into their house at Christmas and said, I have brought you a Christmas gift, but I'm going to give it to you later. Well, they didn't know what it was. They said to him, John, you don't work. You don't make enough money for Christmas gifts. Um, But in any case, they went to Midnight Mass, and they saw someone coming out of the confessional, and it was John, and they rejoiced. And when... Uh, we ended the story, Um, the tertiaries rendered thanks to God, and it was with tears of happiness that they saw John approach the communion rail. Later on, later on their way home, under the starry winter sky, John said, this is my Christmas present to you. I had ceased to believe in God, but I saw him living and walking again in the Toronto slums. You showed him to me. All remained silent, for they knew what a great miracle had taken place, and that indeed the Christ child had sent them a most wonderful gift, but they had done so little to deserve it. Once more, they realized that the ways of God are incomprehensible, and they rendered thanks. Today, John works. In a distant northern mining camp, he is a real apostle of Christ, and the spirit of St. Francis lives in him. Many are the souls he has brought back to God. Let us never forget that around us there are thousands of men like John, and that a kind word or a kind gesture might make the difference between a saved soul and a lost one. Let us therefore remember to love our fellow men as St. Francis used to love them and leave the rest to God's grace. I wish we read that without the breaks, straight through, but um, it's just, I think, such a magnificent, beautiful story and very, very touching for us. Hold on, just a moment now. I need to... Bring something up here. Hold on one moment. Okay, so now, dear ones, you're welcome to call in with anything on your hearts uh, toll free one eight seven seven five one one five four eight three or to email at mother at the station of the cross.com. We do have a call from Paul in Massachusetts. Hello, Paul. <coughs>
5: Good morning, my Mother Miriam. It is a joy and a pleasure to speak to you once again, and you're
1: and for in me my to sp- prayers. Thank you, dear <laughs> Paul. I, re- I remember you well. God bless you. Merry Christmas. Yeah, well, Happy do- New Year.
5: Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to you. And by the grace of God, I think it's always, you know, we always make the best of a, 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 an adverse situation. We're snowed in for the north up here in the northeast. Yeah, and I'm home to yes. warm. and going to get my shoveling and everything later on. But I, I had to share with you this. I'm active in a, I think I mentioned to you quite a while ago, that, among other things, I've uh, been actively supporting and benefactoring to four seminarians of one of our three seminarians, seminaries mm. in the East of Boston. Three of them will be ordained this spring, two to the priesthood on May 21st, and two weeks later on Saturday, June 4th, another one will be ordained to the transitional diaconate. Since then, I have uh, gotten involved, it uh, started last September, at our parish, which is in Dedham, just west of Boston. We have a, at St. Mary's, we have a 7 o'clock mass every Tuesday night, and afterwards... The rosary is prayed over in the rectory, and it's a young adult faith formation ministry, which was started by a brother and sister, who I've gotten to know and love, and are dear friends of mine. Their first names are Michael, and his sister's name is Monet, M O N E T.
2: Last night I had a
5: chance to get to get together for dinner with them. We chatted for about two hours. We had a nice meal, and um, talked about um, our being the face of Christ to our young people. We know that I think that. One term that I use a lot as the church goes forward is that, uh, and I hear this term used a lot in my, my company a lot, the church is, I think, does to become lean and mean, you know, but, we, but you know, because right now I say lean because, sadly, we see the the body dwindling because fewer people, few young people are are, are uh, accepting the vocation of becoming <laughs> marriage, married and having children. We need to really yeah. change that. And so anyway, um, th- these people, and so they started at this in June of 2020, right after the... We opened up, uh, the churches reopened, and the masses were reinstated by our Cardinal Sean O'Malley. And since this happened, started, we've, been, we've encountered, get this, three uh, marriage proposals, one discernment by a young man to enter the seminary next September who discern the priesthood, and also from a young woman who is dis- discerning a vocation to the religious life to become a consecrated life, become a religious sister. Wonderful. And two of these three, two of the couples that, met, that have met or engaged, did not know each other before this, this apostolate commenced. It's just incredible.
1: How and I fabulous love it. Paul.
5: You know and at my age and I'm, I'll be 67 other you know, month, I love getting involved with these young people. I'm, I'm also the father of a millennial daughter and um, I don't see her all that often, but I know she does love her faith and uh, and to share my prayers, my witness with them, and learn from each other. This is how we grow in Christ. This is how we become, and I, and, and, and I say this to everybody, and I'll say this to you, Mother Mary. Why is this happening in my life? It's all because of the Holy Spirit with a huge assist from our Blessed Lady. What more can I say to you?
1: Mm-hmm. And Blessed be God forever, Paul. That's a bright spot in our program and in our day. God bless you, and God bless... Um, and blessed be God who has um, set His love on you and His life in you um, to live the, the Catholic faith in such a way, and and the fruit is is there. It's just very beautiful, Paul. I'm so happy you called in with that. Keep going, my brother.
5: And I would just wanted to say one other thing. I want to give a shout out um, my dear friend, who's a retired auxiliary bishop up here, is Bishop Kennedy. He will turn eighty this coming sunday so I yes thank god for for mm-hmm. his for his for his apostolic office for his episcopacy and he's a wonderful wonderful um man and and a great light and a and a, and a, and a true um a true professor of the faith and um and i always, i told him sometimes always remember this mothers that um you know when we, he, you, he you know, i said to Mike, you actually you're not just a, a a professor and a teacher of the faith we're all students of the faith we have to always remember that we're always learning the learning about God and about the
1: faith that never ever stops. Yes, yes. Bishop Strickland talks about that, even in the priesthood lifelong learning. We never stop growing, we never stop learning. Um, Paul, with all that's going on in the church today and not going on, this is a wonderful report, just wonderful. And it's good to hear of good faithful prelates when so many have lost their faith it's a wonderful report paul and i i pray that you've encouraged others who have been listening to uh live for christ and between the story this morning and your witness um to really truly begin to um give what god has given them to others god bless you paul thanks for the call
5: it's a pleasure to speak to you mother Thank
1: you. thanks sweetheart bye bye Uh, We have a call from Joyce. Um, No, it's an email, I'm sorry. Joyce writes, Hello Mother, I've been blessed with being able to attend a a traditional Mass every day, if I so choose. There is one family in our parish with many children. Of course, I love seeing all of them at Mass, but the baby is at the age where he cannot understand being quiet during Mass. This morning at Mass, the Mass of Epiphany... The parents let this baby cry and squeal all through the Mass. It was so hard to concentrate, and I feel that it is so disrespectful to God, but also to those of us wanting to worship God through the holy sacrifice of the Mass. We have a cry- crying room, but the parents are not using it. I'm going to try to talk with our parish priest tomorrow, but it seems like a touchy subject Do you have any suggestions for this? Thank you, and God bless you, Joyce. Well, I don't know that it's disrespectful to God. I think God loves the sound of a crying baby. I don't think it disturbs him, but it does disturb the people at the parish. And I think for parents to do nothing about a crying child at all is very inconsiderate. Um, there are babies who cry. You can't stop that. But if a parent is not able to calm them down, either by feeding them a bottle, or if they're older, um, giving them a child's book or something, if the parent is not able to calm them down and they cry all through the mass, I think the parents should take them out. Um, and again, especially if you have a cry room. I think that's that's right. Um You know, I I think at most Masses, even especially Latin Masses, because all the children abroad, um, you hear different children crying out at different times. Um, That's one thing, and and that's just life. We need to do it. I think God loves the sound of babies' voices. But again, if it's one child um, throughout the entire Mass, I think that it would be good for Father to speak to the mother or the father, both parents, and um, suggest that they might be able to uh, take the child out or do certain things to calm the child down during Mass. Um, again, you didn't give the child's age, that might be helpful also in, in different suggestions. It could be a single mother who if she takes the child out Leaves other children in the pew, I don't know if they have other children, but again, the other children could be in the pew knowing she'll return. I don't see anything wrong with that, so um, uh, much has to do if there's a mother and father uh, and, uh, well, you said there's a f- one family I'm going to guess it's a mother and father. Oh, you did say with many children, of course, um, yes, they should the father or the mother should be helped uh, in dealing with that child. Or uh, asked to take the child out during mass and sit in the cry room, or find a way to calm the child down. There's a reason why that child is crying nonstop. May um, have a, a spoiled diaper, may be hungry, um, may be uncomfortable. There's a reason for it, and I think the reason is is um, is important. We have an email from Tova. It says hi, Mother Miriam. Several weeks ago on your program, you spoke about the spiritual works of mercy. I recall two of them specifically, namely, one to instruct the ignorant and two to admonish sinners. Oops. I will begin this email again as soon as we come back from the break. And um, when we come back, it'll be our last segment, beloved. You're welcome to call in. We'll have 10 minutes plus. Um, and you're welcome to call in with anything on your heart. Uh, the toll-free number is one eight seven seven five one one five four eight three, or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. God bless you. We'll be right back.
2: Blessed, O Lord, be thy name forever. Who has permitted this affliction to come upon us? We cannot escape it, but must of necessity fly to thee to help us and turn it to our good. Lord, we are now in affliction. Our souls are ill at ease, for we are much troubled with this present suffering. Let it please thee, O Lord, to deliver us, for poor wretches that we are. What can we do without thee? Thy mighty hand can do all things. Give us patience, O Lord, and strength and peace. Help us, O God, and we will not fear, no matter how grievously we may be afflicted. O Lord, Thy will be done. Welcome be the will of God. Sacred Heart of Jesus, we place our trust in Thee. Amen.
1: beloved this is mother miriam how would you like to wake up each morning to inspiring sermons from knowledgeable and faith-filled priests you can tune in to sermons for everyday living every day at 6 a.m eastern on the station of the cross you can listen on the station of or anytime on the free i catholic radio mobile app god bless you
4: listening to the station of the cross on your car radio but sometimes find yourself driving outside the listening area never miss another minute of your favorite show download the iCatholic radio app so you can listen anywhere in the world 24 hours a day the i catholic radio app is available for your phone in the apple store or for your android phone in google play visit the of for more information
1: Um, as I mentioned prior to the break, this is our last segment together. We've got ten minutes, and you're welcome to call in with anything on your heart 1 877 511 or email at mother at the station of the You could also text at that phone number. And I'm now going to, re- to take Tova's email from the beginning. <clears throat> Mother Miriam, several, several weeks ago on your program, you spoke about the spiritual works of mercy. I recall two of them specifically, um, namely one to instruct the ignorant and two to admonish sinners. In this regard, I am currently struggling with a situation concerning a friend. This friend is Catholic. Um, Is she a practicing Catholic? Well, she might say that she is. Does she go to Mass? I don't think so, at least not since the beginning of the pandemic. Does she go to confession? I don't think so. I think um, Tova is anticipating my questions, and I wouldn't have all those questions, but I think it's just the way Tova expresses herself. Does she pray? Yes, I do believe that she does pray often. Anyhow, this friend is in a living situation that concerns me. Why? (laughs) She's funny the way she does this. She lives with a man with whom she is not married, neither civilly nor in a Catholic church. Yet she treats him as her husband and they have a teenage son together long story short they 've been living together for roughly I think sixteen years or so since before their son was born i 'm concerned for her spiritually due to the fact that she is living in sin, as the saying goes' it's not a saying um, however, although it was always the ca- it was not always the case currently, I do believe that their living arrangement would be considered more or less that of a brother slash sister scenario in that they sleep in separate rooms. The story goes that he snores too loudly and gets up very early for work, thus the reason she has stated for the fact that they sleep separately. Well, if that's the reason, uh, they may not be living as brother and sister. Living as brother and sister uh, doesn't have so much to do with living in separate rooms, but not being intimate whatsoever. I hope I've given you enough information to go on in terms of being able to determine what my concern is. Essentially, I'm concerned for the welfare of my friend's soul as I believe this living situation would be considered mortal sin. Is that correct, Mother? From what you've described, yes, that would be correct. But again, um, mortal sin is grave sin. There's three conditions for sin to be mortal. It must be grave um, the person must know that it's grave, and the person then must commit it of his or her own free will knowing that it will separate them from God. Um, a sin can be grave without being mortal if the person does not know or if they're drugged drug doesn't willingly do it. What you've described so far would be mortal uh, if she is Catholic and knows what a mortal sin is um if she doesn't she may consider it sinful but not know that it would be mortal so i cannot judge whether it's mortal or not but but um Toba says if that's the case if she hypothetically died tomorrow do you think she would be headed for hell rather than heaven it's possible but i can't say um the way she's living is certainly not the road to heaven I realize that you have no way of knowing her heart and where she is at with, where she's at with God in her heart and mind. However, just based on her living arrangement, only if she were your friend, would you be concerned? hundred percent yes. A hundred percent yes. God does not tell us to admonish people based on their heart and mind. That's God's job. We cannot get into a soul like that, but we have to admonish them based on what they do. A number of months ago, Tova continues, back in early spring, I scrounged up the courage to sit down and relay my concerns to her. She has an extremely sensitive personality, so I was very delicate in my approach. What I basically told her was that living with her son's father whilst never being married in a Catholic church is morally wrong. Um, and I as well suggested to her <clears throat> that she gives serious consent. Consideration to go to going to confession soon to confess this sin. Well, there's one thing, Tova, to be sensitive to a sensitive personality, but that never includes not speaking the truth. And suggesting she go to that she gives serious consideration to go to confession is fine, but you, you have to say. You are living in grave, mortal sin, if she is. Um, And if you do not reconcile yourself with God through confession, if you die in your sleep tonight, you will be in hell. You need to say it calmly, but you need to say it. You must say the truth to people. Otherwise, you don't love them. Otherwise, you're afraid that they won't love you. You're afraid of offending them. But you can say the truth in a loving way. And you must, otherwise you are partly accountable. Um, Tova says at the end of the discussion, she thanked me and we have continued to be good friends. Well, um, you said a number of months ago, she's been living with this man for 16 years. Um, or they, uh, and you first spoke with her a number of of months ago. That's not the mark of a good friend. Um, and you continue to be good friends, but if you've spoken with her months ago and she's still living in this situation and you've said nothing else to her, um, you are somewhat accountable, dear friend, uh, to not admonishing her because you have not done that. Having said this, I do not believe that she, Tova continues that she has taken heed whatsoever to the discussion we had all those months ago, and that has me wondering if I should speak with her again. Absolutely, this time perhaps with a little more seriousness in my tone. You need to tell her that she has put herself on the road to hell, um, and the the, um, the God I don't know what if she considers herself a Christian or what. But God has put within himself the law, within us, rather, at our creation, Romans 119, the knowledge of himself. We have the law of God within ourselves. The Ten Commandments are simply the law of God that God has placed, written on our hearts, On then he placed on tablets of stone, and now on paper. The Ten Commandments are the law of God written in our heart, um, now on paper, and so Romans uh, chapter One says that no one's without excuse. there is no one who is without excuse for living in such a a sinful lifestyle and so um, uh, you you must speak if you consider her a friend you if you consider yourself her friend, you must speak to her again and clearly and clearly. you need a serious tone that doesn't. Um, um, omit a loving tone at all but you need to say to her when I spoke with you last time I want to tell you that I waited much too long to speak with you and I've waited much too long again because I failed to tell you the danger your soul is in if you are continuing to be intimate with this man regardless of where you two sleep you are in grave grave sin you don't have to use the word mortal mortal. if she doesn't understand it. If she said, yes, I know, but, that's another matter, then she's in mortal sin. Um, but you're in grave, grave sin, and um, you do not have a future in heaven the way you are now. And if you say you love this man, and you love your son, you need to get right with God. And you need to help them to get right with God. Um... And she says, alternatively, to tie this back to the spiritual works of mercy, to instruct the ignorant and admonished sinners, should I leave it alone now since I spoke with her once? No, you must not leave it alone. You you need to save her from hell. If a building were on fire and you said, um, excuse me, um, I noticed the building was on fire. Uh, there's There's a door over there. You might consider going through the door to get away from the fire that's not going to help. And then you see she's still in the room an hour later and you know she's going to die by the fire. You speak to her every moment. You would shout her to get out of the room to safety. That's what you need to do. God bless you all. Have a wonderful weekend and we'll speak with you on Monday.